The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, George Kaplan. But George Kaplan's not real. Oh, oh, sorry. Peter Joshua. Peter Joshua, you know. (laughs) Peter Joshua? Wait, you just said you were George Kaplan! Actually, uh, uh, I, I take that back. I am Roger Thornhill. <laughs> I'm just so confused. Actually, in reality. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I wish this was a video podcast so, so you could have seen Richard's like play-acting faint. It was quite amusing. Bravo. I was trying to, I was trying to channel Audrey. I appreciate that. This is pretty good. It's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, um, yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh before we get into our wonderful double feature we got this week, which I'm very excited about this episode, honestly. Same. And I feel like this whole season's just been the delayed episode season where we it's, just have now shoved all the delayed episodes in. It's the catch up. <laughs> it is, it's the catch up season. Uh, but before we get into that, how you doing, dude? To George Kaplan, Peter Joshua, whatever your real name is, Crushank? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, no, I'm doing all right, actually. Um, you know, for a Monday, not bad, but we'll see how Tuesday goes. Tuesday is usually my least favorite day of the week, just because Tuesday. Same. The only the only bright spot of a Tuesday is like when because like new movies come out Tuesdays usually. Yeah. So like like I'll get excited like tomorrow uh the single a single edition versions of the Jurassic Park movies comes out in 4K. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. But other than that, yeah, Tuesdays can be kind of stressful admittedly, but you know, but I'm sorry. You go on you go on with what you were saying. No, um I'm doing okay. Uh my mom just got back home from a trip to Florida. And, uh, you know, she had a good time. She, this was her first time away since 2020. Like, it was kind of funny because the first, the last time she went on a plane was right as, like, COVID was, like, starting to be part of the conversation and, like, people were talking about a lockdown. Right. And she went to, I think she went to Key West that time. But Marco is one of her favorite places. Um, I'm glad she's back. She's back safe. Um, you know, Mother's Day was this was the mother's day was this weekend um you know it was a good time uh we watched a couple movies this weekend uh from the act the actress jean tierney um who is one of the most beautiful actresses of like old hollywood um mm-hmm. and i was watching one of my personal favorites um a movie i do want to get on the podcast at some point laura from otto preminger aka one of the guys who played mr freeze on the 66 batman show he was a good director as well that's that's a good sell for me. Yeah, um, and it also has Vincent Price. 
in the movie, which is also was on Batman sixty six. Also, on, head. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> and it's actually kind of funny because it's kind of like a. I was listening to some podcasts about it. It's kind of a, in some ways, it's kind of a camp movie. Like there's some That's like <laughs> there's some characters who probably coded gay in this, and it's like it's definitely like old Hollywood, you know. Oh man, but I think it's incre- <laughs> it's incredibly well made. Um, you know, I, I think particularly Clifton Webb in the movie, which I know you have never heard of, but he is he's really good in the movie. Um, and Gene Tierney, of course, is stunning and. Uh, Dana Andrews, who's like the detective, because it's kind of a film noir, um, is kind of underrated. He's underrated as a, as an actor. I mean, he's done stuff like this, um, The Best Years of Our Lives, which is a great movie, and Night of the Demon, which is a great movie. Um, but I also watched the other Gene Tierney movie I watched this weekend was Leave Her to Heaven, which is uh, a pretty uh, dark movie. In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. it's kind of a melodrama-ish noir in Technicolor, which makes like a lot of the things that happen like seem much more disturbing. Honestly, it's that's why I love like Italian horror movies from like the '60s and like Hammer horror, just because that that added like color just makes it so much more surreal. Yeah, and Vincent. Price, it's also funny because Vincent Price is also in that movie. Uh, playing <laughs> a slight, not not exactly the same role, but he's also he's he's kind of he kind of plays uh, Gene Tierney's ex in both of those <laughs> movies, and they play they were also in um, Dragon Wick, which is another movie I watched with them in it. Uh, but Gene Tierney, like she was nominated for an Oscar for that movie, Leave Her to Heaven. She's really just quite good in that movie. Um, mm-hmm. But I've always been a fan of hers too because I always love my mom and I always loved her in. Um, the Ghost and Mrs. Muir, which is a great movie as well. Um, other than that, I I've been buying more uh, buying more discs. I actually ordered from Criterion's new sale <laughs> mm-hmm. that they've been the doing thirty like, percent off sale. Yeah, I ordered a couple discs. I ordered I ordered a couple Douglas Sirk movies. Um, uh, Magnificent Obsession, Written on the Wind, which is one I watched on streaming and I loved, but I want to get on disc. Um, let's see what else I get. I got, I got a couple other movies, but yeah. So picking up more discs. So I did record a dude, a dude two's pickups volume three and I got to get it. Uploaded. Where is it? It's, it's, in a cam- it's my camera right now, dude. I got to upload it. Should we talk about this, uh, something else YouTube related or is that too premature? Um, since I haven't figured out how to get it yet. I mean, we could talk about it if we want. Don't get overly excited, because there might be a new version, so we could try it again. I don't know, but um, we we wanted to do a video version, like a condensed video version of the show, uh, for for our YouTube channel. So we attempted something, and it's filmed. It's there. It's just um, I'm trying to figure out how to transfer it to me so that I can use it. But we did film something, so um, stay tuned for that potential. Uh, fun, fun little thing that we did. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is a rough pilot. You know. Uh, yes, fair. I, I don't. I I had fun with it though. I'll say that much. And I'm definitely oh, yeah, looking me forward. Too. I'm definitely looking forward to doing more of those. Um, honestly, in um in the future. Mm-hmm. But but more importantly than 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 that stuff, how are you doing? Uh, I mean, just to be honest, like the last 
couple of days, like last couple of weeks, I've just been kind of up and down. You know, we, I talked to you about it already, but um, yeah, I, I'm in I'm in some I'm in better spirits now than I was a couple of couple of days ago last week or so. It's just you know stuff like this just kind of happens, and sometimes it's triggered. Like sometimes it's work related. Sometimes it's just stress and just life and just thinking about things and you know. It's it and thankfully actually this double feature actually sort of got me in better spirits a little bit because like especially that second movie because it's just so cute mm-hmm. and we'll talk more about that obviously but yeah so it's 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 not it's not the best thing to just be down and depressed and have to deal with all that stuff and so many people have to deal with it and um. I'm I'm not I'm probably not dealing with it the best possible because I don't like I don't go to therapy I don't take medication or anything. Um, not that neither of those things are not viable for me. Like I could easily do but either one of those things and it could probably help. But um, I just haven't gotten around to that point yet. But you know, it's what it is. And like I said, I'm I'm feeling good now, so I'm I'm in better I'm in a better headspace than I think that I was before. So and this and like I said, doing this show helps. I, I, like, I like doing this and talking about stuff. So, but outside of that, um, uh, uh, more more upsetting footnote. Um, I did watch uh, a Sam Raimi movie this weekend. Oh yes, but not the one everyone else saw. <laughs> <laughs> not that one. I didn't see that yet. Um, though I am very excited to watch it eventually. Mm-hmm. I did watch this movie. I got it on 4K, which was surprising. That of all the like of all the Sam Raimi movies, this 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 one that didn't do well and didn't really make a whole lot of money and got mixed reviews when it came out this one got a 4k release from sony so i greatly appreciate it because it's a great movie um and it's called the quick and the dead um i i I told joey the moment after i watched it i was like we have to watch this (laughs) you have to see this movie um i i've refused to tell him a whole lot about it especially who's in the cast do you know anything about who's in the cast no Okay, I will tell you the four leads, and that is it. Okay. Because you need to be surprised, because there are some people in this movie you and I have talked about in love on this show, mm-hmm. just so you know. Sure. So the star of the movie is Sharon Stone, mm-hmm. who is a producer on the movie as well, and also was the final decision on hiring Sam Raimi to make the movie, because mm-hmm. she, she she dug uh, Army of Darkness. The main villain, in, in an incredible performance as the main villain, is Gene Hackman. He is always terrific. He's incredible in this movie. And the the male lead character, before he was even known in the States, is Russell Crowe. Oh my god. So you get a baby-faced, like, 90s hair Russell Crowe in this movie. You are a younger man. <laughs> and then the best part, this is the part that makes me so excited. So you know how um, we joke sometimes that, like timothy chalamet these days is like a young leonardo dicaprio from like his titanic days sure early 20s leonardo dicaprio super skinny just like tc <laughs> and he acts just like him and it's the funniest <laughs> it's just great to watch because you're like oh my god he is timothy chalamet mm-hmm. <laughs> oh minus the wavy hair it's still just like his his titanic like woof. yeah sure but other than that, like the rest of the cast, like oh my god, mm. you'll be like, he's in this movie. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. It's wonderful. Um, 
And Sam Raimi, I never thought I wanted him to do a Western, but I'm so happy he did one because it's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he leans into his genres that he does. So and so when you, when you watch it, you're like, wow, <laughs> he does not hold back. Um, so I watched that and it was is fantastic. And I hope to share that experience with you soon, soon, soon. Um, and more importantly, this is a really big update that I didn't actually tell you anything about. But this happened um, last week. Uh, so just as a kind of backtrack, I don't want to make this too long. So I want to talk about our movies, but mm-hmm. over a year ago, it feels like now Phillips, the cut, like the electrical, like the electronics company had made like a, like in hushed tones had made this announcement that their CPAP machines were oozing or like not oozing, but like they were shooting out this like black foam particles or whatever that were getting people sick. And that mattered to me because I use a Philips CPAP machine because I have sleep apnea, which is a whole condition where like you don't get enough oxygen while you're sleeping. And so you wake up the next day and you feel like you're just exhausted and you've had no sleep whatsoever or worse, you could suffocate in your sleep. Um, and I, at the end of, towards the end of 2019, I got a CPAP machine and I've been using it since, but then this announcement came and it was like a whole thing. And, um, this was the, the worst time for something like that to happen because obviously a Phillips had to redesign the machine without that component and B and get, and get, and get like the fixed units out to people who registered their machines, which I did. And at the same time. Uh, I was trying to get a different CPAP machine because I didn't want us to keep using the one that could possibly kill me. Right. Uh, and that was hard to do because no medical supply places had CPAPs because they had to go to COVID patients because they were running out of ventilators. So it's, again, it's, it's rough. And I'm sure like all those people heard every, like, I get it. You need a new one, but we don't have them. I'm sorry. So like, I, I feel for those people, even though I was like annoyed, I still feel for those people. Right. And obviously, any everyone that's had to, you know, suffer as much as they did with COVID or passed away or anything, that's, it's rough, obviously. Um, long story short, I got a box in the mail the other day. Phillips finally sent me my new CPAP machine. <laughs> oh my goodness. So after all this time, at the beginning, it was like probably end of March or end of April, pardon me, end of April. They sent it out, and so now I've been using this brand new, non-black uh, ooze particle leaking CPAP machine, and that has been so nice to not have to worry about that. Plus, I had to use this little like filter thing that was so uncomfortable to sleep with because it's already uncomfortable enough to have to attach a hose to your face. Right. It's another thing to have to like have this. It's like a disc almost that's like sticks out, and it's like this wide. And you have to connect the two hoses that I use, so it's just really uncomfortable to have to sleep with that. But that was a big, that was a big, nice, happy moment when I was able to get my new CPAP machine and not have to worry going to bed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Phillips, for sending that out finally. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that would be a bigger story, but I guess it wasn't, but oh well. No, it's, it's big. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Um, anyway, our first movie, Joey. Let's talk about it. Yes. Yes. But I, I do want to say, this must be one of the most pushed-off double features in in the entirety of this show's history. 
This is the Top Gun Maverick <laughs> of two dudes shows of two dudes episodes. Yes, it it really is, and it finally is getting released this month. <laughs> finally, <laughs> wow! <laughs> Just like Top Gun. Just like Top Gun. I mean, we're, you know, if we're pulling it off like Tom Cruise, he must be doing okay. You know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm working on the running. <laughs> we're we're getting there. It's you know we're getting there. <laughs> Like that dude. As long as I don't get too close to Scientology, then I'm good. <laughs> yeah, we'll just stay away from that. But uh, this is a double feature pairing featuring um, one of the most famous and iconic leading men in the gold from the golden age of Hollywood. Um, this is him during the later part of his career. This is Cary Grant, who, in the earlier days of his career, like the 30s and 40s, was really known for like screwball comedies. Like, he had done some Hitchcock movies, but he was in a lot of screwball comedies, like were, like The Philadelphia Story, uh, His Girl Friday. You know, he's incredibly well-known mm. in those. I remember I remember you suggesting that I watch The Philadelphia Story, but there was a delay in, like, the Wi-Fi when you were telling me that, and I thought you were telling me to watch Philadelphia, and I'm like, Joey. <laughs> no. no. I, am not, I am not watching that movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I know better. I know better. I am not ready to be sad. <laughs> at, at least I'm like, sure Tom sad, Hanks and Denzel are great, but still, <laughs> they're great in other things, man. <laughs> Let's just watch those. Watch those other things. No, but this, um, the two films we're talking about are later on in uh, Mr. Cary Grant's career, and this first one is a big one. It's a big, it's a big one for us to talk about. It's, I think it's only the second, is it the second Hitchcock film film we've talked about? Number two. Only number two. Which is funny because the first one we talked about was Vertigo and Vertigo came out in 1958. This one came out in 1959. So this is literally like his, his next. His next one. And you know what came out the year after this one? Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. But enough about those, enough about those films. This film we're talking about today is 1959's North by Northwest. I'm the plane. Go fly. The crop, the crop duster. Flight. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was doing. <laughs> I'm not Tom Cruise. <laughs> um. Yeah, North by Northwest. What a movie. Also another movie, another, add this to the list, another old movie I've never seen. Yeah, and I think this was, um, like, I remember watching this, I watched this recently before we talked about it for our podcast, um, this is like my third time seeing it, but like the second time I saw it, I watched it with my mom, and we kind of had a Cary Grant double feature, we watched that, and we watched To Catch a Thief, and I was watching it, and I'm like, this is like, almost like a Ma the Mad Max Fury Road of the 1950s. <laughs> It just doesn't, it's it slow, there's moments where it slows down, like Mad Max Fury Road does, but it just, mm -hmm. like, one set piece after another, one mishap after another, it just, it just keep, keeps going. It keeps, it just keeps going, right? And, you know, Hitchcock has a lot of, like, tropes and, like, certain things he uses in his movies. One of his most notable ones is The Wrong Man, uh... Which is perfectly exemplified in this movie because he, get, <laughs> Cary Grant, gets up to take a phone call or something, and then he, he gets taken away. 
like he's just he's just talking to this like maitre d or this waiter or something at a restaurant and and then he's just like i just need to make a phone calls like well we can, i'll take you over here and he's like okay cool excuse me and he starts walking and then he gets kidnapped <laughs> why <laughs> what was the reason for that he was just having dinner and then he gets kidnapped by Captain Nemo and frickin' Bella Lugosi. <laughs> what, what he means by that is uh, James Mason and Martin Landau. Uh, just to, That's what uh, I said, Captain Nemo <laughs> and Bella Lugosi. <laughs> well, listen, I mean, because if because uh, uh, Captain Nemo would be one thing, but Bella Lugosi was, like, dead by this point. <laughs> I think it's important. To, the real Bella Lugosi was dead <laughs> by this point. Okay, alright. The only other Martin Landau character that I can think of at the moment was... <laughs> In the in the really crappy wrestling nineties movie Ready to Rumble, he plays a character named Sal Bandini. And his catchphrase is, and I quote, Sal Bandini, wanna wrestle? And he beats up everyone in that movie, and the movie ends with him in a hot tub with two beautiful ladies. So Sal Bandini and Captain Nemo get so- out <laughs> i'm sorry that was that was way too elaborate no but they think they think carrie grant is this secret agent yeah like they they just assume he's like someone special he's like no 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 that's not me no like he just he can't catch a break they 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 like they they force him to drink booze and like they have him like go on the road like drunk driving at one point as if like trying to get him like killed off a cliff but then things just escalate from there oh boy but he goes through one thing after another in this movie you know and that's like he's just a guy he just works at this ad ad agency as far as we know it's like the worst road trip you can ever take because first of all he has no clue where he's going second of all he he's getting pushed everywhere by many different people third of all he meets a pretty lady you know what the pretty lady's doing she's toying with him yes and he keeps hearing about this george kaplan fella we know who george kaplan is he might not even be real turns out he's not he's not real and i remember like the scene where it comes up where they're like talking about like Oh, you know, this, like, the professor character uh, is just like, yeah, you know, this actually works to our advantage, actually. And they just keep Cary Grant just, like, on this ongoing thing. Just, like, just, just let it happen. Just we'll, see what, we'll see how it plays out. And it makes it, what makes things worse is that he also gets himself into other international situations. Like, he thinks James Mason is, is somebody that he isn't. And he goes to the United Nations and meets a guy who took his name. The guy gets stabbed! It's a knife thrown at him, <laughs> and they, and, they, and who do they blame? Cary Grant, and his mom's mean to him. <laughs> so, like, of all the things, man, his mom just like just keeps looking at him like, "Come on, really? Yeah, you, you you're my son. What? It's like if Cary Grant was my child, I'd be so proud. <laughs> like you, you done good, kid. You done good. Oh, Cary Grant." It, it, it it's obviously i think it's a lot more action heavy than probably any hitchcock movie i would say it's more of a thriller yeah you know what i mean like it's it's not like it's not like psycho which is kind of scary but also kind of like it's kind of in that thrillery department but it's also like like kind of a horror movie 
it's literally it's not like vertigo which is like kind of like messes with your head a little bit it's like the david fincher version of a, of a thriller mm-hmm. like this is more like like a spy movie yes in a way like it's just it's just Cary Grant being thrown into the situation that he he's no clue why he's even in, and you know he just he's having to do all these different things. He gets a plane flown at him, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is like that's the iconic thing you probably see with the poster. You see Cary Grant running away from plane, which actually is like happening too, which is pretty wild. Yeah, like like he's actually like running away from a plane flying at him. I'm pretty sure like Hitchcock was like. Okay, Carrie, <laughs> the plane is going to come and try to hit you. What? <laughs> We're going to have a plane fly at you. Why? Can't we just do like one of the, like a, like a rear project? No, people will know it's fake. <laughs> we will have it fly at you for real. It's... It will not hit you, I promise. Oh, that sounds okay. Like, that sounds like a Hitchcock thing to do. Because people talk about, like, Kubrick, like, being, like, you know, a POS on set. (laughs) But, like, Hitchcock, Hitchcock literally called actors cattle. Like. Jesus. Or, like, like, I forgot the exact quote. Hang on. Let me look up Hitchcock's, like, cattle quote. Because, (laughs) and this is something he actually said, too. God, God damn it. I'm glad directors have gotten, like, less dickish. Most of them, maybe I don't know. I don't know any of them, but it seems like some of them have gotten better. <laughs> All right, Carrie, get ready to run. Oh How fast God. do you want me to go? Oh, it's coming right at you. <laughs> oh, the quote is: "I never said that all actors are cattle. What I said was all actors should be treated like cattle." I'm pretty sure is the quote because that makes it so much better. It makes it so much better. Um, <laughs> You know, but and but the other thing is too. Cary Grant's worked with Hitchcock a couple times as well, so, so it's not so like Cary probably knew somewhat what he was getting himself into, even though he's like, like you, you didn't ask me to do anything like this before. Well, we're doing it now. <laughs> uh, that's that's an incredible um that's an incredible scene that crop duster scene. It's filled with so much tension, and then like how it ends is so crazy as well. Mm. I mean, just the whole the whole thing, like, because he's because he's led there to believe that um, he's gonna meet George Kaplan there, so he's just standing in the middle of the road, like these cars keep coming, and he's like, "No, this one's not stopping." This was he sees a guy like walking to just just waiting for the bus, and he assumes he's George. He's not, Mm -hmm. and then he's just told, "I don't know why that guy's crap dusting over there." There's no corn over there. <laughs> what kind of crop does the crops no corn? I don't understand it. Anyway, have a good day, sir. I'm gonna get all this bus now. That's the exact dialogue. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, you even sa- you even sounded like you were in like in mono for a second. So you sounded like an old movie on my headphones. So good job. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I didn't intend for that, but thank you. It, it was like oh, I, I felt it, it was pretty solid. Very nice. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll I'll continue it later. We'll see. I think it should be noted too that like this is the late fifties period for Hitchcock. He also um, like a title title sequence was done by Saul Bass and music by Bernard Herrmann, who of course did the iconic score for Vertigo, 
Just want to mention mm-hmm. uh, those those chaps for a second. I also interesting about Cary Grant. I want to talk about his costume for a second, like because everybody remembers him in the suit, and Cary Grant always wears a suit in like everything. Yeah, right. Yeah, we. I, I asked. I asked you that. I was like, is there any point Cary Grant doesn't wear a suit in a movie? <laughs> <laughs> and he he does. He does wear a disguise at one point in this movie, but yes. then he goes back into the suit. Yeah. Um. Actually, like in for this movie. Um, I was looking at the uh, just different trivia, and it was a, a bunch of like costume people and fashion experts said that this was the greatest suit uh, ever ever worn in film history, and it has actually had an impact on um, on other characters. Like so, Tom Cruise in Collateral, and uh, Ben Affleck in Paycheck. So, oh. just a little weird like bit of like trivia about this movie you know and i just man i love cary grant in this movie so much like because he is so good with comedy and just looking Mm. like befuddled like what is go what is going on here this is like outrageous (laughs) i like when he's drunk and he starts just like getting up on the table yes (laughs) he's like uh, (laughs) like you know, I don't even know. I feel like that was not even in the script. He just was like, I'm going to just lay on this table. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> I'm just going to see what, see what the Hitchcock initially hated it. But he, in the editing, he goes, let's keep it. Let's just let's keep it. You know, so he's he's fantastic. I can't say enough good things about him in this movie. No, he he's charming and he's he's funny, but also like you, you kind of are scared for him. You're scared for him. But I also believe that like. Not that he's like an, I don't want to call Cary Grant an action star, but I believe he could also get himself out of that situation um, yeah. to a degree. Like, because I think about um, Bruce Willis in Die Hard, and mm-hmm. it's like this ter- this massive, ter- like uh, this the- these thieves that come into Die Hard, the quote-unquote terrorists, mm-hmm. and it's just this New York cop. But it's like there's somewhat of a believability because he's got some skill set, but at the same time you're looking at him and you go, this guy's screwed. How does this guy get out of this? <laughs> but like, like with Carrie, you know, he's what was he? He's like, an, he's not an accountant. What is I, he? I think he's an advertising guy. Advertising guy, and he's just thrust into the situation. He just tries his best to get out of it. That's <laughs> all you could try. He's just trying. And you know what? He 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 gets some some highlights. He does meet, like I said earlier, he does meet a pretty girl, which is a, a theme with these two movies that he ends up like being with like pretty girls that are significantly younger than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's he's smart too. Like his mom might not think so, but he's smart. Yes, absolutely. I love the auction scene. Oh my god. That's my favorite scene, I think, in the whole movie. Outside of, like, the ending's really cool, and, like, the plane thing is iconic, but, like, as far as just, like, performance-wise, I think that's my favorite scene. Yes. Just because, like, he's, try- he's trying to figure out a way to get out of there, and he's trying to, and so he's like, he start- I'm going to be disruptive. Yes. And so he starts he starts bidding on everything and, cl- and saying that everything in the auction is cheap, and then one lady just goes, you, sir, are an idiot. He goes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that $3,000. <000. laughs> Sir, sir, the bidding is is, is one hundred fifty. It can't be that much. <laughs> He's um. I also, I, I Cary Grant's obviously the focus of our episode, but there's a lot of people, a lot of really good, um, a lot of really good actors in this movie. Listen, we gotta talk about Nemo and and uh, <laughs> Sal Bantini. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> James Mason. Uh, James Mason's second appearance um, on, on our, our show on our program, and as I think we said, he's got like the best voice. James Mason. His voice is so like it's so like liquidy. Yes. And, like like it's so like like I if listen if ASMR was a thing back then I would watch his videos because <laughs> I would I would be put to sleep I would be relaxed it'd be fantastic and he he could still say all of his evil stuff that he says I'd be like <sighs> but he also has like a great villain name Philip <laughs> Van Dam <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and then and then Martin what's Martin Landau's character's name um that I have to look up because I'm actually not 100 percent sure at the moment um oh Leonard Leonard is his name <laughs> Why is that so funny? It's like Van Damme and Leonard. Well, you know what makes that so the funniest experience? So the second time I watched this, right? Because the first time I, I it had been years. The second time I watched this, because like obviously James Mason is the bad guy. He's the bad guy yes. of the movie. But I thought for a second that the movie was trying to pull off another twist at the very end because there's not a real hardcore resolution. Like he's no. with, he's with the professor character and um you know, all the other people. And he's just like, it wasn't very sporting of you using real bullets. I thought, oh, is this guy another FBI dude trying to get Leonard duped? And then, nope. It just ends. It just ends. <laughs> but actually, he was the criminal. But I thought the movie was like, are we trying to do another thing where this guy's not even the bad guy? And it was just like, <laughs> they're just yanking our chain this whole time. Oh my god, it was... It just, it does just kind of like abruptly end with... Leonard just trying to get him, and then, and then Van Damme just just chilling up, up on top about because Rushmore. because especially later in the movie, Leonard's legitimately scary. Uh, towards the end of the movie, um, it is, it's Landau's got those eyes, man. Yeah, I mean, as you said, the um, he was like he was a good choice to play Lugosi in uh, in Ed Wood. <laughs> oh my god! And the whole time, like in my head, canon, I was like, these two are together, aren't they? <laughs> Like I, you cannot tell me that James Mason and Martin Landau weren't a thing in this movie. <laughs> Just get, uh, like BFs. Like, like, like. Listen, it's like people with Luca. People like, like, oh, they're just best friends. Like, no, they are in love. Let it happen. They're figuring themselves out. <laughs> oh, Silencio, Bruno. <laughs> Bruno, sidekick, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> Van Damme is my boyfriend. We don't talk about Kaplan. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. But yes, the whole time, the whole time, I'm like, they are a thing, and they broke up at one point, and that's why he gave, he fed him to the wolves, and was probably like, you know what? Leonard, you can go to prison. I'm going to just chill up with these guys. <laughs> um, who else? I mean, uh, we have to mention, um, we haven't talked about her too much. Uh, Eva Marie Saint in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, incredible. And you told me, you told me she was Ma Kent in Superman Returns. Yes. And I also found this out because I never knew this. She also, we don't watch it. Neither one of us watched this show. But she also provides the voice for Katara in the Avatar, um, The Last Airbender. Avatar: The Last Airbender sequel series, The Legend of Korra. Oh, that's cool. She plays Katara on that show, yeah, which is pretty nifty. Um, she's still alive as we're recording this. this is, I hope she's doing okay. 
Yes. And she was also, of course, in the really iconic um, uh, Eli Kazan, Mar- Marlon Brando movie On the Waterfront, which I believe, I think she won an Oscar for that one. Um, nice. Which is pretty good. Um, but she's um, she's incredible in this. And obviously Hitchcock's got, you she's, gotta have the blondes. <laughs> you you gotta have the blondes. Yeah. She's, she's, she's like, she is, listen, I, I, I don't mean to sound like a pig when I say this, but she is sexy. And she this is. Movie. Like, she, is. she, she oozes the sex appeal. Like, she, she knows, I mean, obviously she's like in on a lot of it. Like, she's kind of a double agent, her character. Yeah. Because yeah, like, like, we, we initially, sorry. No, no, keep going. <laughs> like, we initially think that she's working with Van Damme and his boyfriend, but, um, it's actually, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you they're a thing. Okay. <laughs> I hope this gets, I hope this is an episode that gets a lot of hits so that people are like, oh my God, <laughs> they totally are. Or they just think I'm stupid. I don't know. But um, um, even Marie's but she's She's initially working with Van Damme, but then we learn that she's actually working with the, was it the FBI or the CIA or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh. Which, which Cary Grant um, was kind of, like, dumbfounded by. Because initially, like, he's like, he hates her, and then he loves her, or he loves her, then he hates her, then he loves her again. Mm-hmm. And he's in, like, a tizzy. He's already being, you know, f- framed and saying that he's not who he is. And next thing he knows, he meets a pretty lady, and they hit it off. And then he thinks that they don't hit it off, and then they hit it off, actually. And it's a whole thing. Like, ugh. Love, loves, love, love is a lot sometimes. <laughs> but... She's she is very good in the movie and she 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 has so much charisma and like like when you first meet her it's almost like she know like obviously at the time you're watching it you don't know that she's got like all these like connections but at the time you're like she like she's like assuming something's wrong with him but she doesn't care she's she's like hmm hmm I kind of like this kind of like this guy ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But no, she's very good in the movie. I liked her a lot. No, she's great. Uh, I also want to mention, I've talked about him a few times, uh, the character of the professor is played by Leo G. Carroll, um, who was in a couple of Hitchcock movies before this. I mm-hmm. think this was the last one. And he's. I think he's quite. he's good in the movie as just this guy who's just like, listen, I'm doing my job here. Like, I'm just trying to get I, this over with. <laughs> I, I need to get I need to get Van Damme. Um, also interesting enough, I was looking at his, uh, Wikipedia a bit, um, and I'm not as familiar with Rocky Horror, I've seen it years ago, but apparently he's mentioned in one of the songs in Rocky Horror, because what's he was- his, What's his name again? Leo G. Carroll, because he was in the movie Tarantula, and I think the song, one of the songs makes reference to that. I'd have to listen to the soundtrack again. I've seen, I've seen Rocky Horror, but I don't, I don't immediately recall not, that. Right. But now, but now I'm just thinking of, damn it! Janet, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know. Right. <laughs> um, I also I, I did want to mention too. We talk about we keep talking about the crop duster scene, which is of course incredible, iconic. I also think that the mm. whole the whole Mount Rushmore sequence at the very end of the movie is also incredible. It gives Mount Rushmore a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading. I was actually reading up a lot about Mount Rushmore. You know, because when you're a kid, you don't know that it's controversial. You just and then like, you realize you're like, oh, oh, you're like, wow, they really, they really defaced like a really beautiful like thing, and there was like a whole um, 
like like suit where like I think they ruled for for like the tribe uh to get like a a huge settlement and they're like mm-hmm. no we're not settling for that shit we want the complete control of like of this area or whatever um you know so it's it's an interesting ongoing like thing and you know, but you know what hot take it is the perfect symbol for America it's, it's <laughs> if there's anything that real that represents what America really is, like you know the, the shitty parts of it. I think you're right, honestly. Um, but you know, and, and there's also just a lot of like real locations, obviously, that are used throughout the movie. I mean, they have the, the mm-hmm. United the United Nations building, which is of course really iconic and one of the few movies that was shot at the United Nations. Um, just looking at the list of locations, just to uh, rattle off my my the Plaza Hotel, okay. I was actually watching Se- <laughs> I was actually watching Seinfeld today, and they were talking about the Plaza <laughs> Plaza. So, and of course, you know, its most iconic use is in Home Alone Two. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. I know Joey Joey loves that, oh, especially yeah. because Donald Trump <laughs> makes his his very famous cameo. I, listen, if you don't know what our political opinions are, you're probably learning very quickly just from the last two two seconds. <laughs> yeah, like who would have thought North by Northwest would be the would be like the dividing point? Am I going to continue like, with these guys? Listen, uh, they, they they said something bad about that mountain I love so much and about my president. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm making fun of that guy, whoever that is. That's Brian from Idaho. (laughs) Yes, uh, confirmed. Brian from Idaho um, is a MAGA um, MAGA supporter. Um, That that is my (laughs) headcanon. Wow. I can't believe what's going on here. We we brought back Brian from Idaho. You know, I was about to transition to talk about, like, Hitchcock's cameo at the very beginning of the movie real quick, but we got into this. And seeing as there's no way I can, like, uh, eject from this um, cleanly, Alfred Hitchcock's cameo at the beginning of North by Northwest. <laughs> well, you know, there's been a few weird transitions in this episode already, I think. I think, so, I think so our, it's all good. I think our fans will forgive us. Um, what fans we have left after we talked about <laughs> Mount Rushmore and Dutch. <laughs> Um, in any case, Alfred Hitchcock, of course, cameos in a lot, in a lot of his movies. Um, and Mm -hmm. I think I told you this, he tries to do it close to the beginning of the movie. Yes. Because he does, because it became a famous thing for him. And he's obviously one of the most iconic directors out there. And there's not many directors you can really say that about. Like people know certain directors, like, because like I think about Jordan Peele because, you know, he's, you know, his comedy stuff. And obviously he's made some great movies, of course, but Hitchcock, mm-hmm. literally his silhouette and his, and he had a TV show, like crazy, crazy stuff. Um, but like he would have it in the beginning because people would be fixated on trying to find him in the movie. And, yeah. um, you know, so they would, they, they would just put it there. So that way, okay, we can get that out of the way and focus back on the plot. Which I, I think is kind of genius when you think about it. Um, because, like, you think, like, I think of, obviously, like, you know, as far as, like, cameos in modern times, I think, like, Stanley obviously, may he rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, Stanley loved doing his cameos, and, uh, 
every Marvel movie, even characters he had nothing to do with, he still made a cameo in that because that was his thing. He was the Marvel guy, made a fair percentage of, or co-created a fair percentage of those characters. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he would make all these cameos and... But he would always do them like in the middle or towards the end of the movie, which is fine. Like I have no issue with it, but in, it does make a lot of sense. Like if you want to like have some sort of weird cameo thing, which you know Hitchcock obviously did, you know, it makes sense just to like throw it in the beginning and then just kind of move on. Like in Psycho, he's wearing a cowboy hat when, uh, um, uh, what the hell's her name? It's, it's Jen- Jamie Lee Curtis's Jen- mom. Janet Lee. Janet that Lee. yes. He's outside. <laughs> he's outside their door. He wear. He's wearing. He is wearing a hat. Um, yeah. And I believe in the birds. Like it's in the beginning when Tippy Hedren is getting. Um, is getting a, a little. He's going to the pet shop, and he. I think he has his mm-hmm. dogs. Um, with him in that scene. Yeah. So like it. Like, I mean the whole the whole idea of like having yourself as a cameo in a movie is a little narcissistic. If I'm being honest, but I mean, it's nice. It's nice to see. Like it was nice to see Stanley when you watch the movies. It was nice to see, um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock be like, "Oh, look, there he is." Now let's move on. You know, and I would say I'd be mad about it if the movies like sucked. Yes, but the thing is, like, let's t- let's think about it like this. Like we talked about Vertigo, which we both enjoy as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we both, I know, Psycho. I mean, hello, it has its yeah, pro- problem. You know, problematic stuff, but classic yes um north by northwest um which has revealed more of our political opinions than <laughs> any other film in the history of this show um great movie and we've talked about anti-politician movies too i think <laughs> that's right <laughs> sorry we keep like who who would have thought that this was the episode that would reveal we are not trump people <laughs> You know, it's what it is. He's not there anymore, except uh, for some people he still is. Apparently. (laughs) This has become the most political episode we've ever done. (laughs) We haven't even talked about a political thriller yet, have we? Not really. No, Winter Soldier episode's coming up very soon. Oh my god, that's like a... Dude, that's like the the Diet Coke Zero of political thrillers. Give me the real thing and give me the diabetes, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> I, I, I knew I knew I was gonna get something. That's why I said it. <laughs> Man, oh, Winter Soldier is secretly a political thriller. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Touch grass. <laughs> uh, I've turned into that guy in Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> Batman's just interrogating me. Where's the Joker? <laughs> I, don't I make know, all these. Man. I make all these sparing statements against Marvel that Richard references Batman. <laughs> that's that's how it works on this show. Listen, anyway, I'm so sweaty. Anyway, um, this is a great. North by Northwest is great. I so, I genuinely love this movie. It's so good, and the studio wanted to cut it down, but Hitchcock found in his contract that he had final cut, so he's like. <laughs> No, we're we're gonna keep it the way it is, buddy. Thanks. Which, listen, in the history, like it, in the history of movies, I don't care who it is. It's always nice when the director gets final cut. That's my hot take, especially yeah. because, like, if like as long as, as at least it's the directors and like the people who made the movies thing. It's not like the people giving them the money's choice to be like, let's cut this, and let's cut that. Like, 
you know, Robert Eggers talked about working on The Northman. It's the only movie he's ever made where he didn't get final cut on it. Yeah. So that's why, you know, I haven't seen it, but you've talked about it and how it, like, feels the way it does. Like, it feels like it's a a different version than it was supposed to be, I guess. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, but it still feels incomplete. Yeah. You know, but that I think part of that is also just the strength of Eggers as a, as a you know, great director. And to be able to push past that, too. You know, like, again, yeah. I, I compared it to, like, Blade Runner. The original Blade Runner, where somehow the pieces, like, the, it worked out. It worked out somehow. Uh, it, well, on that note, I'm curious. I don't know if you know this, but has Hitchcock ever not had Final Cut on any of his movies? Maybe in his earlier days. I mean, because I think about um, not. I don't not. You know, it's a good question. But I think about Rebecca, and mm-hmm. you know who produced Rebecca? Who? Uh, David O. Selznick. And I was actually gonna. I was actually thinking that too when you said that. He, I had no clue. Um, if that name sounds familiar, he produced Gone with the Wind. Um, and but what's interesting is that both Rebecca and Gone with the Wind won Best Picture back to back. So he has had two of those things back to back. But I imagine mm-hmm. that there's some. There must have been some cases where Hitchcock was, especially earlier in his career, like maybe like in the British in his British period. You know, maybe a director for hire. He's just trying to make. He's just making movies. Um, and I imagine maybe Rebecca could have been a situation like that as well, even though I think, right. I think Rebecca, as far as my hot take in the, in the Hitchcock, uh, Pantheon, I think is kind of underrated. Um, you know, Mrs. Danvers is one of the greatest <laughs> characters ever. Um, I just think the whole cast is uh, phenomenal in that. And it's this really good movie, but back to North by Northwest. I think this is just everybody working on it, firing on all cylinders, you know, Cary Grant, might be his best performance, you could argue. Honestly, yeah. This is, this is the second movie I've ever seen him in. And I'm already like, he's... Like, it's... Because I remember when we were doing um, the Vertigo episode, and you were like, the best way to get Richard to watch an old movie is to let him know that, that George Bailey's going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know, man. Cary Grant's pretty good. <laughs> like, nothing against George Bailey... I'm only calling that because I don't remember his real name. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which is funny because Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant are both in Philadelphia Story. That's good. Oh, God. Oh, wrong Philadelphia. No, wrong Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> Every, I mean, I just it's just a splendid, splendid movie. I think it's on HBO Max right now, which makes sense because Warner Brothers has the rights to it. They really need to put out a 4K of this movie at some point because I think it got a restoration recently. I think... Volume two of that Hitchcock, like, at least from Universal, like, volume two of the Hitchcock box that's coming out. But I guess because it's Universal, that's why it's not, doesn't have North by Northwest in it. Yeah, because I remember there was an old, like, earlier on in the days of Blu-ray, there was a Hitchcock Blu-ray set where, like, studio, the, some of the studios actually worked together. That's cool. That's really cool. It was a great set because it had, I never got this set, but it had Vertigo. I, it had, well, it had like Psycho, Rear Window, North by Northwest, and a couple, you know, some of his great movies. I think I remember that, actually. Was it white? It was a white set. Um, yes. Yes, and, I do remember it, that. It was white, but there was also one that looked, you know, but it was a great set. and it was, it was It's always great when the studios can work together for a good product like that, honestly. Um, but... Yeah, I, I think we both, both agree. Great movie. I'm glad you finally got to see this one. I'm glad to rewatch this movie. It's a great time, and now, now everyone listens to the show knows where we lie on the political spectrum, but also where I lie on the MCU uh, 
MCU as each movie is secretly a different genre <laughs> spectrum. And mine will remain a mystery. <laughs> it won't. <laughs> Next segment, I'll just be like, so listen, the MCU has some problems, man. <laughs> 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 oh man I pre- but, I should emphasize Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is one of my favorite movies of all time it really is like, we talked it, about it on the show we talked about we, we, we talked about three Marvel movies on this show four Mar- four because we talked about um, Captain America Thor Thor Ragnarok Black Panther Guardians yes. of the Galaxy Volume 2 all of which we've been really enjoyed those are all very good movies yes yes we like anyway. things we do anyways uh um we're gonna take a a quick quick break um but when we come back uh richard's gonna talk about his new hobby um the hobby of stamp collecting listen this is is a harsh world of stamp collecting you think collecting Yu-Gi-Oh cards is harsh so you watch out i'll take your word for it buddy stay tuned Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we lost our fucking minds. <laughs> because of how great that movie was. Everything else is pretty level-headed. No other reasons. No. 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 Not at all. Anyway. <laughs> no, that last half was just fantastic. We, we reminisced about it a little bit before we recorded this. Uh, remember when we, we, we did that batshit insane thing? Good times. And it's staying in. If you don't hear it, that's... <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but you will hear the it. The magic of editing. <laughs> I, anyway! <laughs> you know, uh, I want to get a little more positive. And I think this movie is the perfect way to get into that, that frame of mind. Oh, yes. Like I was saying, this movie... like Because I was having a bit of a rough patch the past few days. And this movie really really just heightened things up and this is an old movie i've seen before this is a rarity folks it don't happen too often <laughs> yeah uh, this is um uh this is what year was it 1950 63 63 this is a couple years after north by northwest and this was close Harry had some grays in this one he had some grays cuz i think he i thought i read correctly he retired in 66 to pursue other business interests um including being on the board of mgm which is kind of wild to think about but wow yeah this was one of his later movies and i think it's a great 
Cary Grant vehicle, but also a great movie for everybody involved in this. Everybody involved. And that movie is the 1963 comedy, thriller, spy movie, combo deal, charade. We see, see, Richard, you know, you know how, how we felt about this movie? Yes. I'm going to quote the philosopher uh, James Coburn when I, when I say this. We fell for the, or paraphrase from him, we fell for this movie like an egg from a tall chicken. <laughs> oh my god. I like, I like Patrick Willem's review on Letterboxd. I, I want to marry this movie. <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna... Like, I'm so happy I met this movie, and now I'm going to propose to it. I mean, if you're going to do that any movie... And also, what's you know what, what's crazy about this movie that I just found out? What? Public Domain. No! Yeah, so... I was Like, it's still? No, well, not just still. It's always been Public Domain, because something's got screwed up with the copyright thing on the one of the title cards or something like that. So... This has always, always been in the public domain. So are you telling me we could insert a clip right now of this movie? I I don't want to make any promises. <laughs> uh, Play it right now! <laughs> clip now! Go! Peter Joshua. Oh, mine's Regina Lampert. Is there a Mr. Lampert? Yes. Good for you. No, it isn't. I'm getting a divorce. Please, not on my account. Oh, no. You see, I don't really love him. Well, at least you're honest. Mm. Is there a Mrs. Joshua? Yes, but we're divorced. Oh, that wasn't a proposal. I'm just curious. We don't even know what the hell we're putting in. We're just putting it in. We have so it's much. It's going in, baby. We have so much power. <laughs> and this is the part where somebody tells us. This is where I insert my clip of saying, touch grass. Touch grass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. The, du- the Two Dudes episode featuring Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn and Walter Matthau. Yes. Dude, on the notes page uh, for this movie, I put Richard's BF, um, Walter Matthau. <laughs> He's my best that, that's, that's one of that's, not- <laughs> that's one of the little, little known facts about Richard. Obviously, everybody knows he loves Batman. He loves, loves Edgar Wright movies, Guillermo del Toro movies. We all know this. However, yes. one of the little known facts that I've come to know Richard over the past, <laughs> I don't know how many years we've known each other, but anyway. It's been at least a decade. Almost, about, just about. But yeah, uh, one of the things, he likes Walter Matthau. I do, because I, I, I was a 90s boy that grew up with him as an old man. Like I, he, was in, he was in Dennis the Menace mm-hmm. as Mr. Wilson, and he was hysterical in that movie. Yep. And then uh, a favorite of my family's is, uh, it's not the first one. Though the first one is good. I've seen it. It's the second Odd Couple movie where he and Jack Lemmon are old dudes and they go on a road trip. It's like, it's like literally imagine like you took this, this, this thing that was a play, the Odd Couple, and then you turned it into a 90s buddy comedy with old guys. Like it's so different when you watch the two together. It's so weird. And it's because like we talk a lot about. Not to harp too on this too much, but we talk a lot about how like we're getting so many sequels for movies. Like after years and years, this was like one of the first times I feel like this was like a legacy sequel because it was like literally a sequel from like they did this. They did the original movie I think when they were in their forties, maybe right. or maybe a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. And they did the, that the second one in the nineties when they were like probably seventy or eighty. You know what's also crazy too? We haven't talked about Jack Lemmon on this show yet. I don't think we. No. I don't think we've had a Jack Lemmon movie on this. I mean, he's done. 
I mean, so, so many great movies, you know, I think about, um, some like it hot. The apartment is another one, which, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to my friend Julian. He's a, he was a huge, um, apartment fan. I hope you're doing okay, man. But charade, let's get back to charade. Um, yes. Stanley Donnan returns to two dudes. For those of you. Yes. This, and by himself, by himself, no Gene Kelly, though they reference no Gene Kelly. No one's staring into the camera. <laughs> <laughs> though they though they reference a different Gene Kelly movie they do. that he did not direct that Donna did not co-direct or direct an American in Paris which great movie which is funny too because it made me think because I watched Ambulance this past weekend mm-hmm. and Michael Bay Jesus <laughs> he he referenced not one but two of his own movies oh wow <laughs> and not even like he didn't like like what about Transformers or Transformers Revenge no it was The Rock and bad boys <laughs> because it's two cops going why don't you act like sean connery like from the rock you know <laughs> or, or like um there's literally a scene where the cop walks out of a car and he's like let's walk out of the car like bad boys oh my i'm God. like two you've done it twice now stop it <laughs> anyway like sorry no it's okay but this is like the other one. It's it, North by Northwest is fun, but there's it, there feels like there's more like serious ramifications of what's going on. Yeah. Even though we say this is fun, this movie's fun, right? There's a lot of like yeah. dark shit. Audrey Hepburn is not happy with her marriage. Her husband no. is killed. All right. There's so much murder in this. There movie. is so much death. George Kennedy has a hook hand, and they make fun of his hook hand after he dies. Okay, Cary Grant has to lie, and is like fifty different aliases in this movie. And the, the the weird thing is, like Audrey Hepburn's like, I don't want a liar anymore. I want an honest man. And then here comes Cary Grant, like I'm Peter Joshua. No, I'm not Peter Joshua. <laughs> He's like 12 different people and then he doesn't actually find out who he is till the end of the movie. So it's funny because I had like the quotes page open for both of these movies because I, this movie especially has some great lines. But I was, look, I, oh, yeah. I was looking at the North by Northwest page by accident and I was like almost tricked myself into thinking, is Roger Thornhill one of the aliases that he goes under in charade? <laughs> Because it's just so, like, these, like, Cary Grant has so many names. That's why I just call him Cary Grant. I don't even remember half the names sometimes. Uh, I just, I just say he's Cary Grant, and then he's referencing all of his variants. <laughs> this is, this is, this is, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, starring Cary Grant. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be a funny... It's just... This different variants of Cary Grant just everywhere. Uh, would it be better than than the, what the, what the Daniels gave us? No, but no. but it would be awesome. <laughs> it would be it would be a nice alternative to watch, but it won't be the actual. No, thing. we can be watching another universe. Not to call it the diet version, but it's like if you drink a diet Coke over a regular Coke, and yet the one diet Coke you're drinking is actually not bad. You're like, okay, I could I could believe this is Coke, but it's still not Coke. It's like I know. I know it's not. Yeah. A lot happens in this movie. <sighs> but it, it starts all with Audrey Hepburn. Yes. Mrs. Lampett. As, as all things <laughs> should, honestly. As Listen, oh my God. Audrey Hepburn is like, listen, we talked about all these classic like old Hollywood starlets on this show. We've had so many. This is probably my favorite. She's up there. If for I'm me. being honest. Um, I have a nostalgia for her. Sorry to inter- cut you off. I um, no, you good. My mom is a huge Audrey Hepburn fan. Like she has 
a huge poster of her iconic look from Breakfast at Tiffany's in her bedroom. She has all sorts of books about her, has a bunch of her movies, including Breakfast at, Breakfast at Tiffany's, of course. Um, I know she's seen this one before, but I, I, I want her to, to revisit this one because, I mean, Cary Grant's also fun as well. And yeah, so, and the supporting cast is also wild, but let's keep going. Yeah, Audrey Hepburn, she's Mrs. Lampert as, uh, like, her, it's Lampert, but I love the way Ma- Walter Matthau says it. It's like, Mrs. Lampert? <laughs> yes. He's like that, like, thick New York accent he has, like, Mrs. Lampert. Yep. <laughs> now, take it easy, Mrs. Lampert, take it easy. <laughs> she, she's literally, like, a, like, like, uh, she's getting ready to be a divorcee from her, like, super rich husband, but then she learns that something bad happened. My mother's coming in. That's not part of the movie. What? Someone who wasn't in that photograph you showed me today. Uh, well, Mrs. Lampert, her husband. <laughs> Mrs. Lampert. Mrs. Lampert. Her husband, uh, was killed. He dieted. He 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 got deaded. He got deaded. Um, <laughs> he got deaded, just like the monkey almost did. But uh, <laughs> we'll see how much of that gets stayed. <laughs> we'll see. Um, no, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. She. Um, sorry, that threw me all. No, off it's okay. Experience. But basically, she re- she returns home after taking like a like a nice like vacation. But her whole her whole like place has been like completely gutted out. Of all the stuff, and mm-hmm. as it turns out, uh, her husband auctioned off like they auctioned off a bunch of their like st- a bunch of stuff, or they had stuff that was worth like two hundred fifty thousand dollars total. And yes, and uh, uh, there's there's and no one can find it. No one can find it. Like no one can find this two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars worth of stuff, and everyone assumes Audrey Hepburn has it. She's like, I've never heard of this. That's a terrible Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, if if you're out there, Miss Hepburn, if heaven's real and you're listening down, because if you're if you're anywhere, that's where you'd be, because you're wonderful. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nobody can find it, and what makes things worse is that other people know about it. Yes, and not good people. Not good people. Um. So we we first meet. Um. And not even like like not like he's not that he's like. A part of anything specifically but uh we meet carrie grant because this is before uh, mrs lampert knew that her husband died or was murdered and he's just being like his normal charming carrie grant self and you know he's like they're just talking but they have such great chemistry from the start yes like they're they're back and forth is wonderful play a clip of it i don't write you know unless it's called for how would you like a spanking How'd you like a punch in the nose? <laughs> Did you hear it? It's great. <laughs> we have so much power. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> no, but, but their chemistry is, yeah, yeah. is fantastic. But also, it should be noted, because people talk about this with movies, um, like with, like male actors and their female leads have having such drastic age differences. Like, I think, uh-huh. was it Kevin Bacon that was in a movie recently? Or something where he had a dr- really drastic. Um, I, I, was it that the one that he did like not last year but the year before your, that came Amanda, out? Amanda, um, what's her face? I can never get her name right. Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried. Oh yeah, Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Was 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 the, were they like a, a I, thing I in a think, movie? I think so. That is that is. I think uh, I, I don't know the context in the movie. I like the full context, but I remember right. people talking about it. But I know Carrie. I was reading Cary Grant was actually uncomfortable with that at first, mm-hmm. and I. Think well, I mean that, that's that's kind of in the plot too. It, uh, that's why they put it in there because he. Yeah. They wanted because if you watch it, like 
in a lot of ways, Audrey's more of the, the pursuer, um, which mm-hmm. it, ma- it makes it kind of fun, honestly, and, l- yeah. and less creepy, um, you know. But, like, he kind of he kind of feeds it a little bit, you know? He does. Like, his, like, his, like what, what do you call it, transatlantic? Transatlantic uh, accent. Accent. Uh, he, he feeds it a little uh, bit. Bit of Joshua. Like, and with his... <laughs> With his with his goofiness and his like, she is pretty, but nah. <laughs> and one of my favorite things about Cary Grant too, he's he's like, because there's some actors who are just probably would not be willing to take jokes or like do things for the sake of a movie. Like I think about no. the, the shower scene. I was rewatching the shower. That's scene. so good. It's so it's fun. so good. And like this, think about this older guy just getting into a shower with all of his clothes on. <laughs> Dry. How often do you go through this little ritual? Oh, every day the manufacturer recommends it. His suit. His suit. His suit. His suit. Because <laughs> it's Cary Grant. It's Cary Grant. <laughs> and it's just like, that's incredible. Like, and I, I think it's about so the, good. the little kid that shoots him with the water gun. He's like, oh, very clever. You almost missed me. <laughs> and, dude, speaking of the water gun, mm-hmm. the water gun along with the stamps because we'll talk a little bit about stamps later because we referenced it but um this movie does a pretty good job because it it is very comedic it is very funny obviously like carrie grant's very funny audrey hepburn's a lot of great funny lines in it we've got walter matthow who's very funny in the movie like he's he's funny in general but he's also funny in this movie um but like this movie does a pretty good job with like setup and payoff yes so like one of the first things that happens in the movie is Audrey Hepburn's like sitting at a ski lodge having dinner, and that's when she meets Cary Grant, mm-hmm. uh, who randomly happens to be there as well. Um, and a, uh, you see a, like a luger coming out of the bushes, so you're like, oh, and it's just a water gun. And then that's referenced later when um, we learn that Walter Matthau, spoiler alert, is actually the main bad guy, this Carson Dial character we keep hearing about, um, and he has a luger. And then uh, uh, the fact that this this little kid is the the setup for everything. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um. He's a he's a big stamp collector, and like he has a whole thing with his with his dad and his mom and like the stamp. We'll get you stamps when we come back. Yay! I did it. I won. I won. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's just that's that's like George Lucas level of little kid acting. And Yippee! It's just fun. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> but like. This, then the stamps come back is like holy shit that's the $250,000 that was missing mm-hmm. is it's this envelope that had a note on it that meant nothing and it was just the stamps on the envelope yes it was the stamps um the stamps the whole time audrey audrey's fantastic in this just like mm-hmm. i think she's like the person she's so quick she's so quick like she like keeping up with with Cary grant and Cary grant with her it's almost it's almost like I was gonna say it was almost like Carrie trying to keep up with her. Yeah, a lot of the times too. It's like I think I think there's more of a patience to him to a certain extent, but like with with Audrey, it's just like kind of like an I'm done thing. Right. And then when she becomes more like the pursuer, like we were talking about, and like the romantic aspect. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Like I think that's sort of the embodiment of how I feel about the whole movie is that it's just so cute. Yeah. This is this movie is the definition of cute, and I don't mean that in like a oh kind of I mean like. This is so cute, and I love everything about it for being so cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like thank you for being so cute. Um, but it's also it's also very light. 
what what I really like about it too is that it's not like about a world ending like like international like affairs or anything like it. It's more of a personal no. thing that's going on. And even then, like I don't care a whole lot about like what that the whole consequences of that. I just like the this is a lot of fun. I like the people involved. Like okay, the other best part of this movie, as far as the actors go, James Coburn uh, as Tex. <laughs> He has some fantastic lines of dialogue. I've referenced like the chicken line. She batted all of them big eyes at you, and you fell for it like a an egg from a tall chicken. I think I'm just gonna double check so I don't sound like a complete idiot. Oh, poor old hermit. Seems like him and good luck always was strangers. Well, maybe now he'll meet up with his other hand someplace. God. <laughs> and I was saying this to you. Uh, he appears in a Disney Pixar movie, J- Mr. James Coburn. He's water he's water news in Monsters in Inc. In Monsters Inc. Which I totally I I did not remember that guy's name, so when he kept saying that, I was like, Who? <laughs> From Monsters Inc. I'm like, oh the bad okay. guy. Um the bad guy. But the James Coburn fella. James Coburn's great in this. If you're a James Coburn fan, you probably have seen him in the Magnificent Seven as the knife thrower. He probably in the, I mean, you might agree with this. He probably has two like the more scary moments in this movie yes. as far as like his character. Like you can almost argue that like the the hook dude Herman mm-hmm. could be like the more the more scary guy, but he's just more like aggressive. He's more just like a a brute. Whereas I feel like it push come Tex feels more like a diabolical villain. Yeah, yeah. Like he like the match thing is like oh my god that 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 gives me anxiety. It gets like he kept he kept doing it to it her. It gave like, me anxiety, striking it, throwing it. But I'm also like, what the hell is this? I, I've never quite seen anything like like this as far as like a threat. <laughs> like obviously, like so, like it's like that annoying kid on the on the on the playground just like throwing sticks at you, but they're on fire. Yes. Um, and so that that bothered me. But then when he dies, and his face, I, I, I'm still thinking about it right now, man. It's kind of gruesome. It's embedded into into the memory of the dudes for the rest of our lives. I think. Um, I will say, was it um, the uh, the George Kennedy part, the hook the guy with the hook hand? Um, mm-hmm. He has. Uh, I think his fight scene with Cary Grant is pretty memorable. It's a lot of fun, yeah. and it, I love the the location because it's that like big neon sign and yeah. stuff, and it's a lot of fun. That I think that's referenced a lot. It feels like because there's so many fight scenes by neon signs um, that I've seen in life. But this, this, the, one of the more surprising things was there was a, the older gentleman yes. in the film. who's like the third guy. <laughs> yep. And we were like trying to figure out where have we seen this guy before? And then I just went, oh my God, Joey, that's Doc from West Side Story. <laughs> it is. It is Doc. <laughs> <laughs> and, he's, and he's evil. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, but like, even though like a lot of these guys are bad, like it doesn't really feel feel like they're bad because they do sort of help each other at times oddly enough they also like some uh, there are points where they do feel like they're sometimes scary but they also feel like saturday morning villains <laughs> like it's like like stooges vibes without like the physical comedy yes right um and then and then of course like i was saying earlier like that we learn because they keep mentioning this guy carson dial mm-hmm and they keep saying dial, dial, dial. And at one point, Cary Grant says he's he's dial, but he's dial's brother. He's not actually dial, right? 
Because, um, like, the whole story with these guys is that, like, I guess they knew Audrey Hepburn's husband, right? Did we talk about that already? I don't um, <laughs> briefly, like, those three guys, I think they fought in the... Did they fight in the war together, they they said? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, they all fought yeah. in the war together. Um, and I guess, um, you know, they, 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 they really wanted to have it after um, Audrey's husband because of some shit that happened. And like, like I said, it's one yeah. of those things where I don't care that much right. about and that's not a weakness on the film or anything like that it's just like that's not the point no like the point is literally how cute are these two <laughs> how cute are these two i like the scene where they're on the boat uh and they're just having a nice yes. nice little little date just just some great scenes i'm also thinking about when when like in the in the final bits of the movie when they're when they get to the stage uh towards the end or the character has to pull like the right like the lever <laughs> um a notable thing i have to say about that is as a um silent film fan that is on the infamous and no longer existing uh soundstage 28 at universal where uh that was built initially for the lon cheney phantom of the opera which makes this movie significantly like higher in joey's rankings yeah i recognized i think i recognized some of the boxes uh and i'm like this is a universal movie and i'm like oh like you were like this you, you were like this stage has been on our show before i'm like huh mm-hmm. like and I'm like, and I, I wanted to say Phantom, but I thought that was too obvious. Mm-hmm. I was like, like, is it? No, it was Phantom. Is it Phantom of the Opera? It was Phantom. But that's still pretty cool, though. Like, but I always like when, like, they, like, because it's always fun to see, like, movies. Like, obviously, movies like to film in iconic locations. Like, you, like Times Square has been in, like, every movie that's set in New York City at right. one point or another. Um, but it's always nice when... Um, there's like more like specific locations in movies and you just kind of notice them in other movies you know i feel like because of like because the way movies are made now there's not really like sets like you know because back it doesn't in the, feel like it as much anymore. Like, like back in the day when you had a studio you probably had like a stage set like you did with like phantom of the opera you might have like a european village that could be you know change up a few dressings here or there it could be any european village or like a city street or or right. whatnot. Nowadays, it's like you they they do. I mean, they do location shooting. There's green screen stuff involved, and, and not that there wasn't any of the, some trickery back in the day, but it was just nice to like when I watch Universal Monsters movie. It's like nice to see like okay, this is the same like street. This is the same street that Lon Chaney was parade uh, was on in in the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, and it's right. like you know you see Lon Chaney running past the the cathedral in that same scene, or or like. Um, the bottom part of it, I believe, was used in the Wolfman uh, when he when he's at the church, if I'm not mistaken. So that's it's just, cool. It's just nice to see sets um, and stuff reappear. Plus, it's like how can it's like how can you tell when you're watching a like a Marvel movie? Like, Listen, oh, that green screen was used in. The- <laughs> it's just <laughs> like oh my god, they're using the same green screen in Endgame that they were doing in this other movie. Yeah, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. <laughs> it's not the same. But uh, Henry Mancini did the music for this, um, of course. You know, not the only Audrey movie he's been involved with. I mean, the the iconic Moon River um, from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. And it's also not the only time he's appeared on our show because he also did the music for Great Mouse Detective. Great movie. Yes. Iconic. That episode featured our good friend Ford. Yes. Um, I hope I hope he's doing good. Yes. He. I know. He, I know he's been bird watching and he got a haircut recently. So, <laughs> I do. I do miss you, Ford. Hope you're doing well. Yeah. 
Um, no. When was the first time you watched this? I feel like I got the Criterion disc a while ago. It was one of those like early discs that I picked up because I'm like, Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn. I didn't even know anything else. I'm like, okay, got to pick it up. And I remember watching it. I'm like, this is a good movie. Um, and like, you know, and then I, I rewatched it again. Not that long ago. Great movie. And I'm like, oh, Richard's a big fan of this movie. <laughs> Let's watch it again. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's really just an amazing movie. This was the movie that kind of like glued this double feature together just because like we were talking about, because obviously like Joey loves it and I like it too, but like Joey especially loves it when we get older movies on here and we can showcase some older stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like this seemed like a good excuse to like throw a Cary Grant sort of centric sort of episode. And also like, you know, these movies have a lot of similar things like thriller, spy stuff, you know, um, and, uh, Cary Grant just being goofy, but also being like like an action hero mm-hmm. in a weird way. Um, but like, cause I, but like the the kicker was that this was one of the few like older movies that we've talked about on the show that I've seen before, right? Because I was because like si- similar with you, like I was just at like a Criterion sale and I was just trying to find. So I was like, I'm trying to find something new, mm-hmm. you know, like because you, you you tend to look for movies that you've either seen before or movies that look like something that um, you might be into. And I just saw this and I was like, okay, I don't know if if maybe it was something that like inspired something else that I was excited for. Cause that tends to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be excited for a movie and then I'll look at what the influences are and I'll want to watch it. Right. Um, and with, with charade, I think, it, I, I honestly think it was more so just like, you know, I just wanted to watch it and I saw like Audrey Hepburn specifically. I was like, I, I, I want to see this. I didn't really know who Cary Grant was, but I, I'd heard the name before. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and then I saw Walter Matthau was in it. I was like, oh, I know him. But he was a lot younger. It was weird. Mm. So I'm like, he's not wrinkly. Why isn't he wrinkly? He's still got his dark hair. Not that he dyed it or anything. Right. But, <laughs> but um, no, like, like the whole time I'm watching it, and I'm like, this is so fun. Um, like, it's so fun. It's so funny. That's that got so much. Like, the script was amazing. Yes. And, and the second time, like now I, I'm just like, this is so cute and it's so adorable and I want to pinch its cheeks. <laughs> no, I want to hug it. Love it. If, you know, it's, it's, it's such a good movie. Yes. Um, interestingly enough, the guy who wrote the script, Peter Stone wrote like the book for the Broadway musical 1776. Wow. So just a little bit of, um, you know, theater trivia. Um, I also want to say too, the other thing that makes this interesting is you look at the setup, you look at the cast and you look at the kind of movie is, and you think this has to be made by by Alfred Hitchcock. Right. And it's like, right. People, people have said, this is the best Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock himself never made. It does have a lot of Hitchcocky vibes, doesn't it? It does. Except Audrey Hepburn is not blonde. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know you know Hitchcock would have been like what can we do about this that's her hair sir yeah how do we fix it <laughs> excuse me how do we fix it it's just that's just how it is All right, sir <laughs> fix and Audrey Hepburn do not need to be in the same sentence unless your sentence is Audrey Hepburn don't need fixing 
Audrey Hepburn does the fixing, okay? She'll fix you up. You shut up, Hitchcock! Piece of poop. You shut it. You shut it. Um, I hate you. <laughs> Uh, but this is also based on a you got cock in your name you weirdo (laughs) but Peter Stone also apparently this is based on a short story um, called I did hear about that the unsuspecting wife 1961 short story by Peter Stone and Mark Bem so I didn't know that that's uh, that's, I guess I just don't pay attention to the opening credits of things because I feel like this happened (laughs) with another movie we watched where I just was like this is based on something? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just completely oblivious, I guess. Um, Those opening credits are fun, though. The, like the opening the swirls and the colors. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. They, they are They're really, really stylish. A lot of fun. Just gets, gets you in the mood. Um, but I think what we, what we show, showcase here, like, because people talk about, like, people talk about actors, especially when actors get to the later part of their career, and it's like, okay, you're just doing... You're, this is just like whatever. We know why you're doing this, and it's like you watch these two, and you can make an argument. These are two of Cary Grant's best movies. Like if I had not heard of him before, and this was the two movies that were shown to me, I would immediately like want to watch like every movie he's done. Because here's the crazy thing: like we could have done a whole bunch of other Cary Grant double double feature pairings. We could have talked mm-hmm. about His Girl Friday. We could have talked about. Um, I believe he's in Notorious. Um, suspe- like there's a couple of them that he's or um, you know Philadelphia Story, His Girlfriend, all those movies, right? He did he did so many movies, right? But I think it says a lot about him and also these movies that the, they're they're you know still so highly regarded today. That and like it's sort of funny how this this whole double feature came to be, just because like it wasn't like we said, oh, these movies have a lot of similarities. Let's talk about them, right? Um, it really was just like, oh, you've seen this. You should watch another Cary Grant movie. And uh, it just was like, oh, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah. And it's just, it, that's a, that's happened a few times. Like, it's like, you listen to our show and, you know, most of the time we tend to like pair movies that have some sort of thematic connection or some sort of narrative connection. But sometimes we just do episodes that we just do on a whim because mm-hmm. it's just fun or it's just something we just watched and we just wanted to show each other something. Right. And that's kind of how, and it's funny how that one started that way. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened to also work the other way. Yes. Because there is so much that these movies have in common outside of just Cary Grant. And it's just... Though I do... Ar- I would argue that Audrey Hepburn is more of the main character of Char- Charade. True. I do think that both of these movies... Like, fo- like with uh, having that focus... Um, or focusing on Cary Grant... I don't know where I'm going, but... Um, I do think both of these movies do showcase Cary Grant and everybody else involved in these movies and in in the highest regard. Um, And like, there's so, there's also just so much about these movies that feel timeless. Like that's like, I think what I'm learning more and more as, especially as we watch more and more old, like older movies is that the ones that I latch onto the most are the ones that age the least. And I've said that before on this show, but I feel like this this is kind of an example of that. I mean, sure, you can probably look at one or two things as you're watching this and be like, well, uh, right. Mm. But at the same time, you're just watching it. And like, like I could see someone making a movie like this today and it would look exactly the same or in it, many respects. It'd be very it'd be similar in a lot of it, a lot of its approaches yeah. um, to certain things. Um, 
I'm trying to think. When was what did we ever? We, I know we've done like director double, like director double features. I feel like, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if we've done. Have we done another actor double feature? I'm trying to remember off of the top of my head. Vincent Price. Vincent Price. Thank you. That was the other one that we did. I definitely want to d- do more actor based double features because some. I mean, sometimes I, you, listen. I'm still waiting for that that Bradley Cooper suggestion <laughs> from <laughs> at, his number one fan it, it, at, at some point, but I want to showcase other people, you know, um, like honestly, like, again, I'm just going to say this. I, I want a Gene Tierney double feature. I'm going to put that out in the ether folks. It's going to mm-hmm. happen. It's Listen, gonna... if you want to do a Sharon Stone double feature, <laughs> the perfect movie <laughs> called the quick and the dead that we want to talk about on this show so i i have the 4k in my hands you can hear it yeah i'm rubbing it against the microphone yeah i just think they're, they're both movies are really funny there's a lot of exciting um exciting moments i think north by northwest is a great like action all like slight adventure film in the sense of like a cross-country you know you know right um adventure road trip kind of thing and this is just like it's just fun. <laughs> this is so many twists and turns. Yes, like you never like you never know who Cary Grant is. Yeah. Um, uh, the main character never knows if they can trust the other person. I mean, Cary Grant doesn't know if he can trust, um, uh, the blonde woman, mm-hmm. and Audrey Hepburn doesn't know if she can trust Cary Grant. Right. And it's just it's it really is like a perfect double feature for so many reasons. Yes. And it's just, again, it's a great showcase for why these, some of these movies just can last as long as they do. And, again, and with Charade specifically, it's just a great pick-me-up. Yeah, it and really it's just is. Such a good, it's such a great pick-me-up because it's so lovely and it's so loving. And Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, like, that's, like, if you're going to have a romance, even if it's one like theirs where it's more one-sided, like, as long as, like, the chemistry is electric... Yeah. Then it just makes everything worth it. And so you watch a movie like that and you're just like like you were saying like you just like everything else just becomes like blank and you're just focused on those two. Yes. And you're focused on the chemistry, you're focused on like the mystery of who who's Gary Grant and you're focused on Audrey Hepburn just just being Audrey Hepburn and being wonderful. Um it's just ah oh, this is this was a good feature pairing. Yes. Honestly. This is a really good feature pairing. Even if it did reveal our political leanings more. Not that that wasn't ever apparent (laughs) in the past. I I, I hope the main takeaway from this is that I love James Coburn's character of Tex in (laughs) (laughs) And I hope the main takeaway... um, I don't know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I just hope that's that cute movies make me happy. What What's the wrestling movie that you were referencing? <laughs> um, Ready to Rumble, and what starring was... starring David Arquette and um, James Caan's son Scott, <laughs> who is who is in I think nine hundred two one zero or Hawaii five one. It's one of the revival versions Landau's? of an old show. What's Martin Landau's? Mar- Martin Landau's character in this movie. Is he's a wrestling trainer named Sal Bandini, and his his iconic line in in Ready to Rumble from the director of the Head of Paramount on that on that fun fact, um, and he also directed uh, Good Burger. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he says, <laughs> "Sal Bandini, want to wrestle?" Uh, with that, folks, I think we just ask, 
What are your fa- what are your favorite um, Sal Bandini quotes <laughs> that are not <laughs> that? Have you have you seen um, the movie Ready to Rumble? <laughs> have you seen the movie Ready to Rumble? But you know, less importantly, what are your favorite Cary Grant movies? What are your favorite Audrey Hepburn movies? Stanley Donnan movies? Alfred Hitchcock movies? Um, Walter Matthau movies. Walter Matthau movies. Do you enjoy James Coburn as a villain as much as I do? <laughs> please, yes. please. Yeah, well, the answer should be yes or absolutely yes. Or touch grass. Touch grass, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned in two weeks for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Oh, you greenhorn.